All of us are on a complicated journey of faith, pursuing truth and deeper knowledge of God. But how do we know we're doing it right? Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing, and it can be a painful and difficult journey, and far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and one of my best friends, Marty Frederick, and I have agreed to join each other in creating exactly that kind of space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to look honestly at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today and to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We believe that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but perhaps one of its greatest allies. We think that the Christian life is more about asking the right questions than it is about finding the answers. And we believe we are being called to continually ask those questions, renewing our minds and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. Welcome to another episode of the Rethinking Faith Podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Josh Patterson, and with me today is my good friend and co-host, Marty Frederick. Marty, what's up, man? Not too much, Josh. You know, I was just thinking earlier, you know, I think in the grand scheme of the amount of episodes I've been on, I've only done an intro one time, and it's because I always said I would never do the intro. It's true. Um, but then that means that I'm just left being the co-host instead of being like the guy, you know? <laughs> So maybe one day I could, I don't know, maybe I'll just decide to do it sometime. You should. Could, I'll throw you for a loop. I'll just be like, hey, Josh, this time I got I got the I got the intro. That sounds good to me. You might as well <laughs> try it. Yeah. It's good well, practice. Josh, yeah. And I was going to say, you and I have something in common now. Um, I don't know. You, you may not call yourself it, but like uh, I just got a bike yesterday. Like, like a vroom a, vroom bike or a no, pedal bike? Like a bicycle. Not okay. a motorcycle. For clarity. I'm, not, I'm, for clarity. I'm nowhere near cool enough to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> like, that will probably never happen. Um, but so, and you and I follow each other now on Strava. That's true. Cool. We do. So We're friends there. If any of you guys use Strava and you want to follow Josh or I, you can try to find us. There so, you go. And see how bad I am at cycling. And see how often we do it. Hold us, <laughs> hold us accountable from, for riding a bike. There we go. So is Strava a app where you track cyclists? Is it that, is. Okay. Yeah, track fitness. So you can also track someone's run. So like you could mm-hmm. do a run and record, um, using air quotes, record your run and then post it on social media, but then other people can see what you've done. And so it, it is kind of cool. But Yeah, you could track where I went to walk my dogs, like, <laughs> like to, to yeah. one block around the neighborhood and yeah. then where I picked up the poop. Right. <laughs> Back. Some, exactly. some people do things like where they like they write out a word uh like they purposely like map out their, oh, their route so that it writes something out or like makes a picture and then they post that uh it's to me that's like extra above and beyond you have too mm. much time on your hands um <laughs> i think i can do an upside down flag you know that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on strava that's me that's yeah. good <laughs> I love it. Well, so listeners who are not familiar with that voice, we do have another guest with us today. We have a theologian, philosopher, and artist, Fu Lu, with us today. Fu, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great now. I had a whole day of teaching and 
and I get to see you guys, Josh yeah. and Marty. Yeah. <laughs> is your I teaching think, is your teaching in person, Fu? Yes, uh, we started up a few weeks ago in person, and it's not every day. It's four days a week. We have one day virtual. Okay. So they could set aside time to spray down to school with Clorox bleach. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. So it's it's uh, in person right now. Uh, it's been going well so far, so good. Uh, but we're a small community, so sure. it's kind of like pod teaching in a lot of ways. <laughs> so what you're saying is like every Monday when all the students and the professors and teachers, the faculty show up, the school is so clean, you could eat off the floor. Yes. And that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. like, I bring a box lunch and I just lay it, you know, on the lay floor up, and just, like just la yeah, lap it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much that. <laughs> That's great. Well, Fu, we we on the podcast we have a um, we have a question that we ask every guest that comes on the show. Which you, if you've listened before, you may have heard before. But um, who is your favorite ice hockey team? Oh my word! Yeah, gosh. You know, I was preparing for this, and I I had okay. So I was invited on another podcast, and. Lo and behold, they were wearing their Canadian hockey shirts. <laughs> and, and so we were talking about hockey, which I know nothing of. But I found out that there was a hockey team in Houston some time ago. And hmm. it, it moved, uh, I guess, to Canada or somewhere. And so, but, okay, but it's been maybe a couple months since then <laughs> so, <laughs> so my hockey knowledge is is no more like a billion things a billion bits of information have entered my brain since then yeah so it's evaporated since then so i don't know you, you gotta call the the vickers crossing guys and and talk to them because uh they they were all about canadian hockey that day that i uh, I was interviewed, but anyway, yeah, nothing. I got nothing for you. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to make you an honorary Tampa Bay lightning fan since they, oh. won the cup. they just Sweet. won the Stanley cup. So like you could Sweet. be, yeah. So like you, you're a fan of the team that just won. So they're the best. So. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. Tampa Bay lightnings. Yeah, I, I, I need the t-shirt now. Yeah. I'm ordering the t-shirt right now as we speak. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Sweet. Well, thanks for uh, playing along with our little question. Um, and so uh, for listeners, can you kind of fill us in on a little bit about, you know, who you are, uh, what, what do you do, and maybe some about your faith journey? Okay. So you're talking to me? You're, yep. you're asking yep. me? Okay. Okay. I thought I heard listeners, but that's, uh, <laughs> I said, this was interactive. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta have people call him. <laughs> so, uh, so my name is Fulu. I am a theologian by trade, if that's a thing anymore. I, I, I was teaching at a university here in Houston, and I, I was a guest lecturer for one of their uh, lit classes. Uh, lit literature classes and the professor introduced me and uh, and said theologian and philosopher and he was uh, even proud to say that and 
during this time he he said said it in that way so um so so i guess you know that that gives me some cred so i'm i'm a theologian philosopher uh i teach high school now i was a college professor for many years uh, about 14 years both private and public institutions now i'm at a small episcopal high school here in houston texas uh teaching in the religion department so um i'm i'm glad to be here doing what i'm doing my faith journey man uh we how much time do we have but uh i i immigrated here with my family uh in 1974 um just right before saigon fell uh from vietnam and i uh i grew up uh, uh in texas here in houston did not really understand anything about christianity into college went to a small baptist liberal arts college and that's where i was introduced to the christian faith my family uh growing up my father is Buddhist and my mother uh, grew up Catholic. So uh, we were not very religious uh, in any way. And so I had that experience in high school and found, my, found myself in the Episcopal church and later on in the Baptist church, uh, became a ordained Baptist minister, went to, uh, went to seminary, went to um, uh, graduate school for a philosophy degree, um, and, uh, and sort of always, always had big questions, always had uh, big philosophical questions about God, um, life, existence, the universe, number 42, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, then, uh, uh, just, just really, always, always, my faith centered around the Beatitudes, and as a poor, uh, as uh, growing up as a poor immigrant child, um, those blessings meant a lot to me when I first heard it, and um, and as an adult, and always came back to to Jesus' teaching, and so. So that's that's pretty much uh, where I am, where my journey is. Um, uh, sort of leaving, sort of the maybe the the institution of Christianity, Christendom, aside, and really becoming a Jesus follower. Um, and so that's that's been really important for me and my faith journey. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that story. I love just you know your the way you've walked through different things. And um, that's, that's really cool. And you've, so we're, we have you on today to discuss the book that you wrote, Jesus of the East, Reclaiming the Gospel for the Wounded. Um, so I guess the, the big question to starts off is, why did you write this book and who is it for? So uh, I, I wrote the book uh, because I needed to publish something uh, or else I would be fired from the university. No, I, <laughs> I'm just joking. I, um, so, so my, my dissertation was uh, on 
two components of um, of Christianity. Uh, one, the Minjung uh, movement, the people's uh, theological movement uh, that was born in Korea. And the second, um, the early church fathers, in particular Irenaeus and their views of sin. And, and so basically what I did is I took like the 10% of my dissertation that was non-boring, okay, and and I, I expanded it and sort of set it in today's context. And so that's where Jesus of the East was born. I, uh, I wanted, I really wanted to uh, disorient uh, our view of, of who Jesus is and was because I know living here in the U.S., um, of course, we have our Western views of Jesus, and a lot of it is enculturated, like, like stuck in the mire of our culture, right? And I wanted to see if there was an alternative view of Jesus that I could go to, and uh, and and the neat thing was I was I was reaching back to the early church fathers before, even before the, the Roman Empire, um, when Christianity was, uh, was appropriated um, by the Roman government. And, and then reaching forward to, uh, to uh, Minjung theology, just contemporary theology of the people that grew up in a environment of oppression of, of conquests um, of dominance from foreign powers. And then, then to, to, to situate that back into the biblical narratives and my own story, you know, I wanted to do all those things. I want to be like as ambitious as I could. And when I, when I tell my, uh, when I was writing this and I was telling my friends in the literary world what I was doing, they all said, man, this is really an ambitious project, you know, and and I, I kind of got scared at that point. It's like, okay, am I going to find a publisher for this? <laughs> because one, you know, it was doing something that was very vast uh, and going against the grain, and secondly, I I I, I was doing something maybe that was. Uh, going to be very unfamiliar to a lot of people. Um, so, so one thing I've, I've learned in, in the world literature is that um, a good writer makes the foreign uh, familiar and the familiar foreign. Uh, they create that kind of tension. And so I wanted to do that in the book also. I, I wanted to do all these things you know, kind of across like many different genres, memoir, uh, literary nonfiction, um, biblical criticism, um, sort of narrative theology, um, just, just a lot of different uh, things. And, and that's really, really difficult because publishers usually can't think in those like multifaceted ways, you know, they're looking for something that's 
nonfiction or literary nonfiction or poetry or memoir or whatever in these separate categories. And it's really hard to publish something that kind of crosses like all those different uh, mediums. And so, so yeah, I was doing a lot of things and, uh, but I did find, find a publisher um, pretty amazingly quick after, after about a month of queries, I found publisher Herod Press uh, in Virginia. They took a chance on me and, um, and yeah, and that's history. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Herald Press is perfect too, because I mean, Herald Press is like a, uh, almost like an Anabaptist kind of mm -hmm. publisher. And uh, our, one of our big things here at Rethinking Faith is just this idea of a centrality of Jesus. So putting Jesus at the center of everything. And so I think it's perfect. Um, I think Harold Press was a perfect publisher for you to go with. I was pretty excited that they published your book. I'm a fan of theirs. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. Yeah, they're doing phenomenal work. They're doing really great work. And uh, yeah, and, and, and like I said, I, um, I think I put out three uh, query letters and theirs was the fourth. Okay. And, um, and, I, and that's like, in terms of like publishing journey, that's pretty quick, you know, to get something back that quick. And, and they did it and, and we talked and um, yeah. And, and, and the rest was great. I loved working with them. I worked with them on the cover design, interior design, almost like every facet of the book, even like linguistically, uh -huh. yeah, I, you know, yeah. Sweet, that's awesome. Well, so I think something that might be helpful um, because, I mean, um, I think a lot of our listeners might not know this, but I think people specifically within Western uh, American Christianity have no concept of this, um, but there's there's a Western church and there's an Eastern church, and there was kind of a schism that happened. What mm -hmm. what's What is some kind of like basic important information that people might need to know about that? Yeah. So, uh, so the, yeah, the, the schism, you know, funny, uh, came about later on into church's life, but but earlier on, it was because of uh, of just one word, um, you know, the the uh, the filioque controversy, you know. Uh, so, so when we think of the the um, Eastern Church, we're talking about you know uh, mostly the the Orthodox Church, the the Greek speaking churches. Uh, when we're talking about the the Western Church, we're talking about uh, the Roman Church. You know, uh, so so that's the sort of where I situate some of the book in that um, in in the divide before the Great Schism, the the divide between. Um, uh, between Augustine and the Eastern Fathers, this this idea of uh, of original sin uh, that that somehow uh, humanity inherited uh, not only Adam's uh, sin uh, but Adam's guilt, and uh, therefore we are judged by Adam's guilt. And so I, I wanted to sort of uh, replay that argument. Uh, a little bit and and be a little bit more charitable to Pelagius than than normally we we have been, and sort of just just talking about the the, the philosophical you no know, understanding. You know how how 
how can we understand um, this idea that um, uh, that that God? Okay, I got wait for the last bell to ring. <laughs> that that uh, God does not call us to be responsible for what we cannot be responsible for. In other words, you know, uh, if we go uh, Augustine's route, right, um, we all of us seem to inherit something that we are not responsible for, which is um, original sin and, and the guilt that comes from original sin, right? Uh, but uh, Pelagius had questioned that. You know, and and so I, I ask, is that is that right for um, uh, for God to judge us based on not something I did, but something uh, someone else did when my ancestors did? You know, uh, the Eastern Fathers never um, took that up as a line of reasoning. You know, they. They, they uh, always uh, thought that we each should be judged by the merit or dismerit of our actions, our own actions, not of anyone else's actions. And they would say that, that uh, we do not uh, inherit that guilt, you know, um, but uh, we do, what we do us uh, have is that shame. You know, we, we have that shame. And, and that uh, we also suffered the consequence of death, which uh, was what was introduced uh, by the first couple. So, so that's where I, so going back to the, the idea of the Eastern Western church, uh, those would be like the major issues, the, the, the issue um, of uh, how we see the procession uh, of the Holy Spirit now, is, is the Holy Spirit uh, through um, both uh, the Father and the Son, okay? Uh, or uh, is, it, uh, uh, is it only through the Father? And uh, this issue of uh, original sin or original shame. Right? Do you know, and you might not know it, the exact um, percentage, but do you know approximately what percentage of the world Christian uh, population today falls within the category of like the Eastern Church. Oh no, that's a good question. I I don't. You could probably do a quick Google yeah, search. Yeah, quick Google that. Search, but right. but it, uh, so orthodoxy. You know, I I do have it on one of my slides, the number, but not the percentage. Okay. Uh, so I teach a world religions course here. Oh, cool. And uh, and I have a a number, a population. Um, number, but I don't have a percentage. No, that's, okay. that's a good question. But it's, it's a it's a fairly substantial amount of people. We're not talking about like a tiny little subset of the Christian faith. It's a, <laughs> it's a large number of people, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, I, so yeah. Uh, and that would include, you know, uh, the, the uh, Russian Orthodox Church or Coptic Church in the uh, in the east, in uh, places like Egypt, um, so yeah, that that encompasses a lot, you know, the mm -hmm. Eastern Church. But I I want to say though, sort of as a caveat, you know, I I don't I don't think my book 
wants to sort of recover the Orthodox faith uh, anyway. You know, I, I, I want to go to the Eastern Fathers uh, as a touchstone and a reference to, to question uh, Western Christianity and then to move forward with it. So I'm not, I'm not uh, like, uh, I, I, what what do we call the the constitutionalists uh, who who are very literal in their reading, you know, uh, like some of the Supreme Court justices. So so I'm I'm not reading like the 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 going back and seeing what was the intent of the uh, early church fathers. Uh, I, that's not a really interesting point to me. I. I, I, I bring them up to say that, you know, for example, not all of our atonement uh, theories, or not the, you know, the, the, the prime one that we've used in the West, the penal substitutionary view of atonement, was the only view of atonement that we had, that we had many earlier. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and in particular, you know, uh, a couple before, um, before Constantine, you know, that, uh, that were nonviolent, okay? So, so I, I, wanna ra I, I wanted to raise those points as sort of theological touchstones in order for us to sort of, um, you know, if, if I, I put Christianity on trial, you know, I wanna raise doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, you know, use as much evidence to to raise some doubt um, as to uh, what form of Christianity we we um, have faith in, and then sort of with that doubt, uh, build a case for some uh, an alternative view, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's so important too, like. Um... We, we stole this from uh, Jared Bias, but he always says that all of theology has an adjective in front of it. Um, even though we often say theology to mean uh, white Western guys <laughs> doing theology, right? And so yeah, it's important yeah. to recognize that uh, white evangelical Christian theology is not the only theology in the world. And in fact, when we act like it is, we're missing the rest of the body of Christ. And that's a big problem. Yes, yes. No, no, no. That's, that's really good, right? I, I think a lot of times, um, and, and I don't want to pit, you know, West versus East either, right, right, but right. a lot of times, uh, just our framework here in the West, uh, we're, we're so, so immersed in it that we don't even under, know that it exists, you know? So, so, uh, I, I, I told someone in a book club that I, I was coming out with this uh, this book called Jesus of the East, and and he's like, "What about Jesus of the West?" And I like, "What do you mean, what about Jesus of the West? You get that everywhere. All you ha I I had to do is turn around. If we are in my office where I have all my theology books, just turn around. You know, probably ninety percent of that is Jesus of the West. Exactly. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know that you know so so um so we we're entrenched in it in a way that we don't we don't know and understand it in uh, here in the west and so that's 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 why i wanted to again um give this 
you know, alternative view. Because because here here here's like like the heart of it, right? And this is what um, Andrew Sim Park, you know, one of my mentors, he he brings up a lot. He he says, you know, if Christianity, okay, in the form it is right now, is working. If it is really working, then why hasn't it worked? <laughs> Right? So why don't we have like Jesus's reign of peace? No, why, why aren't we uh, like all out there hugging each other? Why, why do we, you know, why uh, do we, you know, still say ugly things about each other? Why are there still like police shootings, you know, of, uh, of black bodies? Why is there, you know, still, uh, you know, uh, discrimination, you know, at all levels here in the United States. Why is, why is like our environment, you know, so bad? Why are there disparities, you know, throughout this world? Yeah, I, I the list goes on for it. Why have we fought a countless number of wars, you know, and uh, in, in in our United States history? Okay, so I I. So, so there must be a, there must be another op out there, you know. There, so, so if if this Christianity um, is working, why why hasn't it worked, you know? Um, and so, so we we got a question. You we we you know if if Christians believe that you know Jesus uh, dealt with you know sin, dealt with death, uh, brought this. Uh, reign of peace to this world, you know that the kingdom of God is uh, is at hand and and is near and even within us. Uh, if uh, Jesus's resurrection proves all that, that God stronger than death itself, okay, all of those are Christian ideals and doctrines. If that's the case, let's turn around and see where is it. And 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 if we don't see very much of it, then 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 we got to question what kind of Christianity we have, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and just to kind of lead with that, um, I'm going to maybe kind of lead with this thought process because I have a feeling there's an answer <laughs> with what you were saying. Um, so um, when we talk about sin in our Western cultures. Um, what do we mean? And like, how does that connect with what you're talking about here? Because sin is a big concept within what you're, what you're, what you wrote about in your book. So mm -hmm. like, yeah. you know, how does that all connect together? No, good. So, so under, let's, uh, we could look at sin in some ways. One, we could look at sin in terms of what uh, Calvin described, which is a violation of God's law, right? And then, you know, of course, Calvin took that, even though he might not have admitted it from Anselm, okay, that tradition where sin was a violation of God's honor, okay? So, so here we have a tradition that talked about, talks about sin as uh, some violation of God's law, okay, and some violation of God's honor. So it's, it's sort of on the side of God, like, Humanity did something wrong to God, 
dishonor God or violate God's law, whatever that law was. And, and so we are liable for it. Okay. We have to repay God, right? The reparations go back to God. Okay. So we can't repay God. And so we have this sacrifice God has to make in order to repay uh, that debt that we owe God. And so, so uh, in, re in repaying that debt, that debt through Christ, well, you know, our penalty, okay, is washed away, white as snow, just like Clorox bleach, right? And, and, and so, and then we get to face a almighty, just and holy God. Okay, so, you know, so that's sort of the way in which we, we sort of frame uh, that idea of sin that's in terms of that kind of violation. I frame it a little bit differently because uh, historically God has been the one offended, um, but then we, we look at the biblical witness and I'm not sure if, if God um, is, is in affected that much by sin um, and, and, and uh, in that way, more than God is affected by the, the harm that we cause others, okay? So, so uh, why is God so angry at Israel and the prophets say, because why? We are neglecting, you know, providing for the poor and those who are orphan, right? Uh, those who are the most disadvantaged, vulnerable in our society, we've left behind and not care for them. Instead, we're trying to negotiate these, these treaties with other countries, et cetera, et cetera, make, uh, making idols of, uh, of our uh, political allegiances and, and welcoming those other guys while we're, we're, we're not caring for people. Okay, that... No, um, it seems like more of the offense, you know, uh, towards God, or, or that uh, we 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 treat people in ways that degrade uh, their humanity, uh, their divine uh, nature, uh, the 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 divine uh, imago Dei in them. Okay, and so we see that in Jesus' life. Where we we see where. Like in Jesus' life, was sin such a big deal? Uh, in a lot of ways, no, because he was uh, Jesus was like like the Oprah um, to the free gifts. You know, if you're at Oprah show, you know it's like no, like like leather purse for you, leather purse for you. Everyone gets a leather purse, you know. Um, and and Jesus was out there like mixing it up where he's like, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Like, you know, everyone's forgiven um, because the people who he was with, they were so op oppressed by the religious society, you know, where, where they became the sinners. You know, they were, um, they were the objects of, uh, of the sin, okay? They, uh, they were the ones accused for violating, you know, the uh, the laws, and and they became um, the sinners, and therefore, okay, 
they were the ones sinned against. Okay, so 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 here, so so. You know what what I think I'm painting this picture of that sin is 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 something that we do against each other, um, against ourselves, against this world, against the animals, against the trees, against nature. You know, uh, it's just this this, um, uh, this this hurt that we 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 uh, we've done against uh, those uh, those things and. And therefore, our relationship with them uh, is 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 very bad, and um, and how Jesus wants to uh, to deal with that is not that that is so corrupt, that's so terrible that that guy can't face that. No, Jesus wants to enter into the picture and 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 say, you know, you're. I see that you're deeply hurt because of that. And I want to heal that. I want to, to, to find a, a way for you to have healing for that, for that sin. Um, and, and, and so that you don't go around causing others to hurt in that same way. Okay. And you could break the cycle of sin that is in the world. So, so I think, again, for me, that's the real good news of the gospel. Not that somehow we, we can be forgiven because we violated some kind of arbitrary law against God. And, and then, then afterwards we have this grace, but then, then the, 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 the real people who we sin against, what happens to them, you know? So, 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 uh, so, you know, for example, for, for example, you know, um, let's say, uh, I, I, I went over to Marty's house and I saw his, his, uh, his hockey shirt that you said the Tampa, Tampa Bay Thunder. Well, for oh. me, it would be the Chicago Blackhawks. That's oh, the, oh, the that's Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. The Chicago <laughs> Blackhawks, Marty. I saw a shirt that says Chicago Blackhawks. I love t-shirts. So I go and I steal it. Okay. And then, you know, on Sunday, no, I hear great preaching at church and the pastor, you know, she or he uh, gives an altar call or if I'm in a high church, you know, uh, has the invitation where, you know, we could confess our sins and be absolved for sins. Okay. So I'm the sinner and I hear that and it's like, that's great. I can go up and confess and, and be, or be absolved for my sins. Hey, that's great. Me and God, we're great. I, I've, I've committed the sin and, and I receive forgiveness. But the thing is, what happens to the sin against? What's, what happens to Marty? He's out of shirt, okay? Or even if I, 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 um, I, I give it back, I, I, I'm still, you know, he still has losses. He, he missed out on his shirt. So, so here, the, the, the wounded party, in our theology, the wounded party um, is 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 often, you know, not looked after. Now, no one at at church goes, you know, to the brother in which you stole your shirt from. You should go back and you could buy him five of them, okay, and let him pick them out, and and it doesn't matter how expensive it is, you know. 
I don't hear that. Do you? Do you guys hear that? I don't hear it. I don't hear it. So our theology somehow has neglected the sin against. And so, so, so that's, that's sort of like in short, in brief, not in brief, the, the relationship that I think I want to paint a picture with in terms of like God's involvement with sin. It is a problem between us. It's always a problem between us uh, people, uh, but between us and God, I'm not sure if it's that big a problem, only insofar as we've been hurting each other. You know, Josh and I used to work together at a church um, that will not be named. Um, <laughs> and uh, the pastor there used to explain sin. Uh, the bad stuff I do that makes God unhappy is the way he'd explain sin. And he, he always explained it from the perspective of when I was when I was a little kid and I wanted to get baptized, my pastor asked me, what is sin? And that's what I told him. And that seemed like it was a great answer. Everyone thought I was really but then he would consistently teach that same answer. So I started to think that maybe this 40 something year old man, like still like, that's like as far, that's as deep into sin as this guy goes. <laughs> like he's, it's still this very rudimentary idea of what sin looks like. Um, mm. But yeah, I really like that because I think that, like you said, oftentimes, um, you know, we, we teach that forgiveness involves just you and God but it never involves the other person because if the other person's unwilling to forgive you, um, you still need to work out. Yeah. yeah. God. But, Absolutely. but I, I think we miss, like you said, I think a lot of times the person that's been sinned against winds up kind of still having to manage whatever's happened to that person just on their own with, with, with between them and God, but they never get that opportunity to work things out in reconciliation with their brother or sister. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, too, the, the person who, let's say, like, I, I, I do feel bad uh, about what I did, okay, and then I come to you, Marty, um, and, and, and then I, I, I expect for you to forgive me, to, to make me feel better for that, and, and, and the thing is, you don't have to forgive me if you don't want to, you know? Uh, as a Christian, you, you may, you know, uh, uh, that may be your, your, your ethic, you know, that uh, may be what you want to do for your own good. But uh, a lot of times, you know, we expect the people we sin against to forgive us, just like, like a, a abuser expects, like the people we abuse, you know, to, to somehow uh, want us back you know, or, or, or say it's okay for us to, to abuse them. And, and that's also wrong. That's a yeah. very wrong view of sin. We actually teach our kids to say when someone, when one of their siblings apologizes, uh, we teach them, you can say that's instead of saying that's okay. And like throwing it away saying, thank you. Uh, and then, and then having, and then saying, thank you. I need some space or thank you for saying that. And then re-entering relationship. And that gives, so instead of giving the the person who's done the, the hurt, the feeling like, oh, doing that's okay. Saying that, oh yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, it's not okay. And it shouldn't be done. And so saying thank you acknowledges that they've apologized and then either gives them the the next step. I need space or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, 
jumping back in. And I, it's, I think it's been helpful for our kids to see things that way. Mm, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. And I think, I think too, just at least in my um, kind of how I've been piecing things together in my mind, um, it seems like what you're describing is a more, and what you describe um, in your book is a more holistic understanding of, of what sin is. Um, and I think what's interesting is when we have, so like within Western culture, um, specifically America, um, the, the, our theology has been written by the dominant culture. And so if you are the dominant culture, then you're not somebody experiencing things like oppression. And so often, instead, you're the one doing the oppressing. And so you need the forgiveness of your sins, but not the, you're, but like you were saying, you miss out on those being oppressed. And so in your book, you introduce this idea of Han. I think that I say that correctly, yeah. H-A-N, Han. Um, and I think Han deeply um affected the view and, and understanding of sin in your book so can you like tell us a little bit about what han is and how that plays in yeah han is a word that grows out of korean culture uh it's it's a really important word if you watch uh, any of the shows by the late great anthony bourdain the parts unknown shows you know he's been to korea a couple of times and actually on his show he talks about han okay uh, Han is this deep uh, offense, this woundedness, this resentment, and if not healed, it'll fester into, you know, things like violence, you know, uh, and unwarranted anger, th things like this that uh, that can become very ugly. And so, in Korean people's theology, the Minjung theology I was referring to earlier, there's this idea that Jesus was a minister to the people. Uh, when the uh, Greek New Testament uses the book Oklos, you know, it, it talks about the crowds, okay? And so there's this image that Jesus goes to the people, okay, the crowds and those who uh, have been sinned against. And why does he go there? To bring healing there. You know, he was raised in uh, this environment where his world uh, was not too different from the Korean world where they were conquered people. You know, the Japanese came in and conquered them. And from that oppression, okay, uh, they have this deep-rooted woundedness uh, in their culture. And so in this Minjung theology, the, the idea is to heal that Han, to heal that oppression, uh, so that it would not fester into uh, more sin in, in the world. Uh, so so that's, that's a very important concept because if you go back to the first story where sin is actually talked about, and for folks, it is not the Garden of Eden story, okay? <laughs> the first story where sin is mentioned is the Cain and Abel story, okay? The story between the brothers, and their struggle. And in the story, remember, uh, right after Cain kills his brother Abel, what happens? The blood seeps into the ground and uh, the blood cries out, okay, for justice, right? The blood cries out because the sin of Cain is not dealt with right there. 
Cain gets to leave. Okay, yes, he he wanders the earth, but he's given a mark, and that mark is one of protection, right? And so he wanders the earth, and 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 he's protected, but Abel's blood is still not justified, and so we have this 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 deep call, this yearning, this this cry from the earth, okay, and from all humanity, you know, that's wanting this justice for those who've been oppressed, okay. So Jesus grew up in this kind of a world. The, the Gospel of Matthew, like, writes this story just beautifully. What does Matthew do? Puts Jesus uh, in the same story as as the Exodus. Okay, so so they are leaving the oppression of the Egyptians. Okay, and 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 they knew this world where it was very violent to them. Okay, very bloody to them. Uh, Moses knew that world, and, and Moses himself used violence on other people. You know, that's, that's how much, you know, he understood it. You know, he, uh, Jesus grew up in a world where you know, Herod was seeking babies to kill, you know? Um, and, and, and it was a oppressed world because of the Roman government. But Jesus, different from Moses, found another way, you know, found another way to relieve the pain of this world to, respond to the cry of the blood and that was with his his tender love to 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 bring healing about okay to look at those wounds and mend them so he became this physician for the sin against this healer for for the those who uh were sick because of the sin yes yeah, so it's it's um instead of Jesus just being like the guy that steps in the way and then God punches on the nose because we were bad, Jesus mm -hmm. becomes the liberator of the people and the, the healer of all of the oppressed, the widows, the orphans. That's, that's the idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah so it brings about this um, gospel of liberation, which is beautiful. Yeah. 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 And it's liberation for, for uh, the sin against and in a way, it's liberation for the sinners, the mm -hmm. actual sinners, mm -hmm. if they could come on board and see their role, you know, in, in causing the hurt of others, you know? Mm -hmm. So he's always giving, you know, people like the Pharisees a way out, you know, but they, they just like can't put the pieces together. You know, he would say, you know, you know, as sort of tongue in cheek, you know, I've come for the sick, you know, to heal the sick. I've not you know, come to heal those who are well, you know, and, and, and so the, the, the Pharisees would think, is he talking about us? Do, do we think we're the ones well? Okay. Yeah. We're probably the ones well, you know, we don't need to be healed. Right. Uh, but in actual, actuality, they were probably the ones who needed healing the most, you know, uh, but, but yeah, that, that's why Jesus was very intentional to use that language, you know, that therapeutic language. Yeah. 
So as I as I kind of look at this, and I'm 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 reading and thinking about a couple of things here. Um, it's often people discuss this idea of rich or it's they they talk about justice as like retroactive. It's like it being being retro retributive. Sorry, I was having a hard time yeah. spitting that word out. <laughs> um, yeah, no, in, in comparison, in, in comparison with restorative justice. So you take it a step further and you offer up this idea of distributive justice. Mm -hmm. um, can you discuss what how these relate and like what that looks like? Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, so we often think of, you know, we also, you know, especially in today's world climate, you know, we use that word justice a lot, you know, what, what does just mean? And, and so, so on one sense, if we talk just, we're, we're talking about, you know, the, the, the sort of uh, as fair as could be kind of thing, the, the balancing of the scales. Uh, the problem with that is we we're in a world in a society where our, already we formulated a system of justice that is not blind. And, you know the the image of of Lady Justice being blind and you know and 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 holding the scales. The, the truth of the matter is, <laughs> our system is not blind. You know. I always ask, who's the ones writing the laws? No, you know, who are the, it's not, it's not me, okay? You know, uh, even if, uh, let's, let's say I was a, a congressperson, okay? Uh, it's, it's, you know, I represent then a large, you know, number of people uh, and most of them will not look like me, okay? Um, most of them will look more like you, okay? You all are the ones, okay, wanting certain laws written, okay, uh, or certain laws not written. And so, so in this country, like historically, we have uh, certain people who write the laws and then who execute the laws and then who, uh, who judge the laws, okay? And again, um, historically in this country, it is weighted, you know, uh, towards certain people uh, more than others. Okay, um, those who are have power and those who have privileges. Okay, and uh, most of those people again look more like you <laughs> than like me. Okay, uh, that's why when like O.J. Simpson, you know, when he was acquitted, you know, the black community. Uh, was so happy, not because, okay, somehow they knew that O.J. Simpson was, was uh, not guilty. You know, I, uh, at the time of, uh, of O.J. Simpson's acquittal, and you two men look like you're a little bit too young uh, to have um, seen it on the news, you know, when, when that happened. But I remember clearly, I had a black uh, roommate from Trinidad and and uh, and when the verdict came out, he was so happy. And I looked at him. I said, uh, "So you believe uh, he's innocent?" And I and he looked at me and he said, "Hell no, boo." But you know, he was glad because finally, what uh, you know, OJ represents how a black person can get acquitted in our society. You know, if he had enough power and privilege, okay, enough money, 
Yeah. So, so our system, our system is, is not designed, you know, um, uh, for, uh, uh, for, uh, black and brown bodies. Okay. Um, and, and so, uh, so we can't use justice in the same way. So that's why, you know, I go to the, those terms, you know, um, uh, distributive justice, how we can like balance the scales correctly. Uh, and, uh, and I think the system needs to be changed. Right. And then like restorative justice where, where like, our task is to help people um, uh, renew, okay, uh, uh, have that sense of, you know, this has been taken away from me, like um, my inherent value has been taken away from me. And how do, you know, um, how, how do we give back that inherent value? You know, um, and, 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 and those are conversations that, that, you know, that might involve things like reparations. Those are conversations that might involve, you know, things like, you know, how do we distribute the, the proper resources to certain communities, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it's just as that it's not just about, um, like fairness, Okay, but it's about um, how do we give back because we have taken so much more away. Um, now, how how do we correct you know the history of redlining in this country uh, when we've we've denied uh, African Americans and other uh, people of color uh, access to houses? The primary source of how they could build wealth uh, in in this country. And then, okay, look around and say, why are all these black people poor? I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand. We've denied them access to loans. You no. Know, and then we look around and, 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 and wonder why they don't have wealth. And, and they look, a lot of them live in neighborhoods that, uh, that, that, that uh, a lot of us wouldn't live in. That, that boggles the mind, but 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 now that's where the conversation should go, but but hasn't. And again, we've not looked at the sin against. We've not looked at where we've left this trail of hurt, and we've come to a point in our country where the divides are clearer than ever as a result of that, and and yet. Yet we still continue to sow the seeds of hurt in this country, you know, um, and and have not not done the work of repairing the damage that um, that that ha has been in this country for hundreds of years. Yeah. Yeah. So often we have like this idea, like, oh, come on, racism isn't a thing anymore. Like slavery is over. That's in the past. Just forget about that. Why do you keep bringing that up? We've moved on. But like you're saying then there's a whole group of people who have been sinned against that have not been healed. And then that, that idea of Han continues to fester and grow because it's never taken care of. So it's just this nasty cycle we create. Yeah, it's like, you know, I've been beating on you for 10 days straight, 
Okay. And now, you know, we have a year together. Why can't we just enjoy our year together? Okay. <laughs> just forget about how I've abused you for 10 days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And that, again, that boggles the mind, you know, mm-hmm. um, that boggles the mind how we can, uh, how we could think that way and say, yeah, forget about past. Say, oh, you know, my, I, I never owned slaves. You know, my, my, ans- uh, maybe my ancestors, oh, no, my ancestors, ancestors didn't own slaves, et cetera, et cetera. No, this, this country was founded upon that. Okay. We've inherited that. Okay. How can, okay. Um, how can we uh, do that? And especially when we get to, a place where we're talking about it as Christians, okay, as brothers and sisters, you know, uh, who claim to, uh, you know, follow Jesus, then, 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 then why can't we, like, why can't I, we give up that much? Like, what, what is it? No, what is it that prevents us from, from, from just, just, just saying, Yes. Okay. Maybe I've not hurt you personally. Okay. But I can stand up and stand with you. You know, I can, I can be on your side. Like what is that, that, that a lot of Christians can't do that. Mm. And at the same time, before all sorts of other things. Mm -hmm. No, I, that just boggles the mind. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you a question food. That's, not necessarily on our outline. Um, so it doesn't have to be a long answer unless unless you feel like you want to go into it, which is totally okay. Um, uh, brother, think- my, my, my shoes are off right now. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting warmed up. Yeah, I just took out my shoes here, like got my feet on the carpet. So, yeah. And I think you're awesome. Um, so my, my question for you is over the summer with all the different things that have been happening to the black community, um, those things have really just taken the forefront um, when it co- when it comes to social justice issues in our country, racial inequality in our country, um, or racial or, or racial inequity. I guess is a better is mm-hmm. the better way to look at yep. it. Um, as a as a as a person of minority of yourself, mm-hmm. how have you personally? And th- this might put you on the spot, but how have you personally felt? Um, uh, not treated with equity and equality uh, living in this country. And like I said, it's kind of a, an offshoot from what we're talking no, no, about no, no. here, but, That's good. but, but being a person sinned against, like, how have you personally experienced that and how can we be better at that? No, that's good. So I, I just want to say, you know, I'm in a, a position of a relative privilege um, because, you know, I, I get, to teach, do what I like. I'm, I'm in a, you know, pretty, pretty good job. You know, I, I live, uh, in, in, uh, you know, pretty good area of Houston. And I, you know, this, I'm not like at a public school, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I, uh, I get like two helpings of, of, of macaroni and, uh, and chicken wings today so you know i'm i feel like more privileged than, than the average school teacher and i didn't have to pay for it okay so uh so so i've the the amount of injustice i've experienced as a as a 
uh, Vietnamese refugee is not the same as, let's say, a black person um, in this country. You know, our histories are different. Um, and I sort of fit in between. So a lot of white people in this country see me as almost white. Like we're Asian Americans uh, or people of Asian ancestry are, are, are close to white, you know, because we can assimilate a lot easier maybe, maybe than, um, than our, 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 our black minority counterparts or our uh, or Latinx, okay. So, so I sort of fit in in the middle of of sort of the racial divide. However, given all that, I I can say that um, the moments where I've experienced, you know, being sinned against, and, and so I could I could just be very relevant, you know, when the start of this uh, COVID pandemic, you know, you know, uh, you know, that just, just calling it, you know, you know, the Chinese virus, okay, um, the, the, the Kung Fu flu, or, you know, whatever it, you know, it was named, um, it just took me places where I, I, I just hated to go. And, um, and it, it is one where, like some Americans, even Christians, uh, were okay calling it that, even though in calling it that, it, it says that somehow, like uh, we created this or our people, even though I, I, I'm not Chinese. So, so right before like everything was shut down, I was sitting in the cafeteria of my school and across from me was was a staff worker, not a faculty person, it was a staff worker, talking to the athletic physician about uh, how those people eat bats and snakes, and that's how you know we 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 got the the coronavirus. Okay, and I'm listening, and it's like those people eat bats and snakes, and so I had just sat down, and I looked up at him, and he looks at me. And he, he changes the subject, okay? So, so that, that um, idea somehow that, that, that the Chinese had invented this, okay? Um, became a stigma, you know, in, in the Asian community where, where uh, a lot of people, okay, started not going to Chinatown, you know? And, and sometimes I had to um, wonder you know, what do people think about me when I go into the grocery store, okay? Uh, things like that. Things that I never really thought of um, before this era. You know, like, like I experienced some racism in the 80s, but like, like now I've ex I, I feel like, you know, things have become so, so... Um, uh, brought to a level where, where it's like intolerable, just intolerable. The other thing I, I would say is like historically, okay, and, and some of my friends say, hey, Fu, you know, you know, it's not bad being Asian American, you know, you guys are, you know, doctors and lawyers and this, this and that. And I said, sure, but, but think about this, okay, 
None of my Asian friends who are doctors um, are the heads of those hospitals they work on. And they're not the, they're not the president of those hospitals. You know, uh, they, they might be chief of staff, okay? Um, but, um, but there is a bamboo ceiling, ceiling. We call it bamboo ceiling because yes, you know, we can, we are seen to be able to do a lot of the work, but we can only go so far in terms of uh, leadership. You know, we're not trusted in those areas. So, so there's a lot of things being um, Asian that I, I, um, that I felt, you know, that, that's, that's sort of, you know, yeah, you know, it's good for you to be here. You fit certain quotas, you do this and that. But in terms of really trusting you to, to lead, um, I, there's, there's a definite, definite um, a glass ceiling and a value gap uh, there. So, so I, I just, you know, I know as the low bit of sort of racial inequities that I feel like my, my um, black sisters and brothers, you know, they've experienced this all their lives. You know, they've, this is their history. You know, this, this, uh, it's, it's, um, it's, it's rooted in, in, in the American system. And, um, you know, and that's, that's a shame. Um, that's a shame. Thanks for sharing. That's, it's, it's, I just like hearing the personal side of people. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I think we can get, we can get caught up in like, I mean, cause you're, you have, so much wisdom and you've written such an amazing book and I mean it's, it's great but sometimes it's I, I love to hear like the personal side of things and I think it fits the conversation so thank you for sharing no no thank you for asking yeah yeah and and Fu one last thing um before we wrap things up because I know we're starting to go long I just had one more question for you kind of just a, a moving forward kind of question because overall, like, like we've hit on, in your book, you advocated for this more holistic approach to sin and to healing. Mm -hmm. And so you, you offer up some really great uh, illustrations for what you call communities of healing. And so mm -hmm. what, what are these communities of healing and how can we either create them or participate in them moving forward so we can also help um, within the liberation of Han um, and sin moving forward? No, that's that's great. So, the the communities of healing, I I, I talk about in terms of the the hush arbors that the uh, that the African slaves uh, created, uh, so that they could have a place where they could sit like under the tree, you know, and uh, and be uh, away from um, their enslavers. I shouldn't call them slaves; they were the enslaved. Okay and their slave masters were the enslavers. And, um, and, and those who were enslaved, they, they sought ways in which they could find freedom, okay? And sometimes they would sing these spirituals um, about like actual liberation. No, not just like figurative going to heaven kind of liber liberation, but like th this is how we can get away from this, okay? And, and uh, sometimes th they would just talk about ways in which they could could feel comfort, you know, for th the situation that they were in. And so, so the communities of healing that 
that I imagine have to be ones where, where the wounded can get together and have space to talk. So uh, where I work, we have this thing called um, people of color coffee, POC. See, okay, where, you know, those who identify as people of color, uh, they get together for coffee and uh, sometimes after work for adult beverages, okay, uh, so, such as ones in which you, you guys are drinking. I'm jealous, okay. Uh, next time, we should just have a conversation together, uh, through three of us, where I could be at home uh, sipping on uh, some gin and tonic, okay. Let's make it talk. happen. We'll yeah, do it again. Yeah. We'll do round okay. two. <laughs> okay. And, and so they, uh, so, so, so these, these meetings, like, like we would share of like the, the, the deep hurts, like for, for example. So I advise uh, 10 students and uh, one of, uh, during the summer, one of my uh, advising families, they all of a sudden, Send an email to me and said, um, "I think there's a conflict for our daughter. Uh, I don't think she's gonna be a right fit for your group." So I sent an email for to uh, to the dean and and say, "Hey, this student is not gonna be on my advisees because the parents feel they're not the right fit." But I don't know the situation. Can you just handle it? Afterwards, at this people of color coffee meeting, I hear that the family felt that the student had already had a sufficient international experience and wanted something more traditional. Uh, uh, and, and that's why they were pulling the student out of my group. Okay, so if, if you can guess my tone, that was all code, okay? That's our code, okay? And so, so there was an incident where, where uh, a white family didn't want their white daughter to be in my group, okay? Uh, the blessing that came out of it was uh, another student, um, a Jewish girl, I wanted so badly to get into my group, and she did, and uh, she was the perfect fit. Now, I have three Jewish students in my group, I love them to death. I love all my kids to death. Um, but but they, I tell you this, they are the ones more excited about Jesus than any of the other students. One of my Jewish families, they bought my book, you know, and and they're reading my book. Okay, so things like that, I, I where we could just talk. Places where people of color could talk and have the room, have the space, have the endorsement, not only get to be invited to the table, but get to own part of the table too. No, those go very far in healing. The, the other thing is that, you know, you two have worked in the church or are working in, uh, in the church, I, I believe, All right, uh, Marty and Josh. You two uh, have a unique place. You're in the front lines, and you uh, can be instruments of healing. Um, when you heal through, um, uh, when you heal by knowing your own wounds, and um, you're able to 
heal the wounds of others, meaning that that you're aware of where your brokenness is, where your hurts are, and you don't heal uh, others um, through your wounds. You know, you don't use others to sort of like mend yourself. I like feel good. You know, hey, I'm the savior for this person. <laughs> okay, but but you know your your brokenness, and you allow the other person space. Um, and place to to breathe and um, and air their their brokenness and their hurt, um, so that uh, that wound can be exposed and then healed. And so so that's that's another place a uh, a opportunity to to be that sort of tender soul, where where you know um, where your damage lies, and you could uh, create creatively join your story with another person's story and and then something beautiful comes out of that some some type of healing comes out of that so so there are a lot of ways in which we can can bring healing um and and the other component is is in terms of activism where it's not only sort of being out there and protesting uh, that's important uh, but also um Providing people care, telling them it's okay to hurt, telling them it's okay to take a break, telling them it's okay to to have fun and experience life. Now, the the other part of Han is what's called don, the Korean word don. It means to cut off. Okay, and and part of cutting off is is um, cutting off to where you don't hurt anymore. Okay. Two is cutting off where uh, you can live in forgiveness um, towards the person who hurt you, but in, in right forgiveness, okay? Where, where you're saying, yeah, maybe that hurt too much. And like how you advise your children, Marty, you know, give me space, okay? So I could heal from that. And uh, part of Don is resistance too, resistance to the hurt. And part of that resistance is also say no. No, we won't tolerate this anymore. No, it's bad for, for those in whom you hurt. And really eventually it's bad for you, you know, overall. Uh, because because one, one day, okay, either two things can happen. Those who are sinned against, okay, uh, suffer so, 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 so much hurt, okay, that they, they get to a point where there's violent revolution, okay, and we don't want that, we don't want that, I don't want that, okay, or, okay, or those wounds, okay, are tended to, um, and then we could come back together and start the process, um, of reconciliation. I say start the process of reconciliation because reconciliation is, is not when you come back together in the same room. Like that's, that's, that's not even reconciliation. Reconciliation is something further away, you know, where you start the process of, of mending those wounds, okay? Getting back in the same room is, is, just, is just the beginning of that process. So, so there, there are many ways to create those healing communities, but it's the communities that Christians 
should do now. Like, and and I'll, I'll end with this because uh, this is something I learned from my good friend Adam Clark up at Xavier. He's he's a student of James Cone, the late great James Cone, and and he would say that that the kinds of conversations we do when we get together as people of the church, right? Are usually not the same conversations that people outside the church have, okay? People inside the church, we're talking about like what color to change the carpeting or, you know, or how to do the next fundraising or, you know, or do we have Easter eggs out in the front, you know? No, the, uh, those are important, but but those are not the conversations. Like the conversations that people have outside the church, you know, are what about healthcare, okay? About uh, police brutality. Uh, they're about you know um, about rent payments, about about abuse, okay? About mental health issues, a variety of things. And, and maybe, okay, you know, the church should start having those kind of, of conversations uh, and, 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 and then sort of divide between, you know, the people outside and the people inside, you know, become less, you know, and we could expand that circle uh, to see that the people outside, you know, um, are really the people on the inside uh, because the people outside is, really where Christ is. Yeah, well, um, thank you so much, uh, Fu. This has been wonderful. I personally really enjoyed um, reading your book. I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm going to recommend it to as many people as I can. And uh, I've also floated the idea of, of leading a group through it um, at the church that I work at. So I'm excited oh, for that. You. Yeah, so thank you for for coming on and, and sharing with us. And um, yeah, Marty, is there any closing thoughts or, or remarks? I'm just a big fan of you, Fu. And, <laughs> um, I, I really like the way that you articulate things. And um, it seems like you're the kind of person that every student you have is just is just immensely gifted to have you as their as their teacher so i just i'm a big fan and that, that's really all i have to add oh thank you so much i'll be sure to play this part of the recording for yeah. them in the yeah for sure. <laughs> and, and in your next uh, in your next review with your boss make sure you play that part too yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> and you guys are doing so good work i love uh, the episodes where you talk about race you you get down dirty Mm. Uh, those were excellent episodes. Uh, I I, uh, I wish just more uh, pastors, church workers, uh, white pastors and church <laughs> workers could, could listen, hear what you guys have to say because it's it's not it's not easy to have these conversations, but they're the important ones, right? They're they're mm -hmm. the ones that we gonna. Uh, remember and talk about you know uh, for days to come you know at the end of the day guys like no one's gonna care like what my views of atonement are you know <laughs> right. I, I'm so I'm sorry okay yeah uh, but at the end of the day we we want to know like if 
if we can like call out the names of those who have been hurt, you know, uh, at the end of the day, can we, you know, uh, bring like a little bit of goodness in this world? And I think that's what you guys are doing. So I commend you to Josh and Marty for being uh, that light uh, and uh, and just showing uh, the way of Jesus uh, to to this world. Mm. Well, thank you so much for saying that, Fu. And we are. Uh, both happy. I'm sure I can speak for Marty here. We are both happy to now call uh, you our friend. So thank you so much for hanging out with us today. And uh, we look forward to continuing our friendship. Yes. All right. Thank you, guys. You're right, welcome. You take care. And uh, as always, guys, go Caps. And go Blackhawks and Tampa Bay Lightning for food. <laughs> Tampa right. Bay Lightnings. Out of the way. <laughs> Peace and love, guys. Uh,